Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and we've got a special uh, Rider Rumblings here uh, to discuss a series that my worthy constituent, uh, Dr. Murray McCormick, has done. It's, it's called uh, Reviving the Riders. We're looking at the state of the Rough Riders, state of the CFL by extension, uh, what, uh, how they got here, what their current situation is, and where they might be going. Uh, it's a week-long series that, uh, to run in the newspaper, in the leader posts of Tuesday, June 1st through to June 5th. And I think that you might have seen my dog in the background. She, Candy's making a cameo. She's even, we, she even brought her football to bed, so we've got a perfect prop and a perfect pup for uh, this special edition. So um, I'll turn it over to another furry creature, Marie McCormick, <laughs> to kind of give me a synopsis of... Uh, of um the series mer what uh what really resonates with you as you look at uh after having made so many calls and having written three thousand four thousand five thousand words uh, so exhaustively uh and informatively what really uh, resonates with you as far as what uh, came out of this i think it's probably not going to be a big surprise to people but i've been amazed at the support the riders have still generated despite not having played football since november 17th 2019. There's still people out there, season ticket holders that have left their money with the team so they can keep going. And that, you know, people may wonder, what does that accomplish? Well, they kept the riders going, basically is what Craig Reynolds said, without that, the money being in there. I think the fact that uh, the riders are going to, this is, this. we kind of think, and I know it's, we don't look long term at the pandemic. We're always kind of living, what can we get next? And the impact of this pandemic is not going to just be felt in 2021. It's going to go 2022, 2023, possibly even the 2024 that people are still, they're going to still be dealing with the financial implications and results of not having any gate revenue coming in from 2020 from last season. So it's, it's a long-term way back for the riders. There's no short fixes. There's no way to go out there and say they can bump up ticket prices. They can do whatever they want to kind of re, re uh, you know, get that money back. They're going to, it's going to be a slow process, and surprisingly, I'll probably be retired before they come out of this this whole thing. And it's that's that's one of the things that it's Craig Reynolds has really said, and he's stressing that. And Craig Reynolds, being the president and CEO of the Rough Riders, that people have to be aware this is not a short term project. Going back on the field in 2021 is not going to be the be all and end all for the CFL. It's they need they're going to need to get more consistent. Got to get back to having fans in the stands for the for the remain you know, for twenty twenty one and and going forward. How uh, perilous is the situation they face at the moment? Uh at the moment I I guess they're okay because one of the things the riders managed to do coming out through the uh twenty twenty season was they, they didn't have to touch their emergency fund, the contingency fund. So that gives them seven and a half million dollars to start the season. So that's pretty important. That money, that's going to be gone pretty quickly because if there is a season starting on August 5th, they're going to need money to form training camps to get players up here to feed them, to build them, all that stuff. And that, that contingency fund is going to be really important. So they, they can start the season. Can they get through the season? Yes. Craig didn't really – It's can they get another – you know, we, we hate to go that or into that spot or in that spot, but – what happens if there isn't a season? And I don't – Craig doesn't really entertain that. Either. There's going to be a season. There's going to be some sort of football season. I think there's a lot of optimism now with the vaccination rolls out, and I think that's something that we, we have to look at is everyone get vaccinated so we can get back in Mosaic Stadium is really another theme that's come out through this is vaccinations are key. If you're a football fan and you want to get back in the stadium, 
get vaccinated, get your double dose, and let's get moving on that front. So if you have any hesitancy and you're a Ryder fan, well, I think the reasons of being the advantage of getting back in the stadium because you're vaccinated are, are really quite evident through everything we've, I've been looking and talking to people about. What are the financial implications of playing this season? I mean, they're considering the fact that you would think it, it's, I mean, they want to play, the league says they need to have a significant number of fans, but I think it's, uh, even if they can start on August 5th, I don't think it's practical to think they would be getting 33,356 in Mosaic Stadium right away, be allowed to. Um, so obviously that, that would alter their financial expectations. Um, simply by playing, what uh, what kind of extra costs would they absorb and how uh, how much could that cut into their reserve fund? Well, they're still going to lose money this year, regardless of what happens in 2021. It's still going to be a loss because they're going to only hit 14 games, seven home games, which is a credit number down here. You miss those home games if you get that many home games. So there are going to be financial implications. How much that remains to be determined on how much of a season they have and how much the players agree to do. That's It's all kind of up in the air a little bit to what kind of season goes ahead before they can really decide. But there's going to be losses, that's for sure. Um, one of the other implications in this story is what do we do with Mosaic Stadium? It's basically, other than being an ice rink, it's been empty for since November 17th, 2019, and you know, to that time. So there are financial implications to that. Because one thing people have to realize, just because the stadium is sitting there doesn't mean it doesn't cost money to operate. Cleaning has to be done. There's got to be, you know, there's uh, cleaning and there's other things, other pieces of the building that have to keep operating. You can't just shut her down. So that's going to be losses. That could be in the millions, three to four million dollars just to operate the facility without football. So real and the CFL really want the stadiums back and open so they can start generating money and filling the stadium and get some things. A fewer number of games also impacts real, which is the, you know, the, the, with with Mosaic Stadium because they get fewer people in there, fewer chances for concessions, fewer chances for mer- merchandise and those kind of things. So there could be, they're going to be losses in Mosaic Stadium regardless. They, if, let's get this straight, and it's not going to happen. Everyone would have liked an 18-game season with fans in there and everything you want. But not having fans there in a shortened season is going to be a big financial impact for Mosaic Stadium again. But also saying that, they'll take anything. They'll take any number of games in there just to get that stadium being used and utilized and generating some sort of money for players and for real and for the city and everything else like that. What does this do to the payment schedule as far as the repayment of the $100 million loan that is being done by appending a facility fee to the cost to the to the cost of every Rough Rider ticket? Now, they've gone a full year without being able to charge the facility fee at all. Uh, there will be fewer applications of the facility fee this season due to the reduction in games and the anticipated uh, smaller crowds, at least early in the season. Uh, but and no auxiliary uh, income either. No to be repaid. Where does this stand? That, that there's still be to be determined is what they're saying. They're looking at it. They're discussing it. They thought this money is going to be, they, it, was a, it was a 30 year period to pay off this hundred million dollar loan, Rob, as you wrote so eloquently back in the day. They're going to see. They're going to. They're hoping to get it to paid off, but there may have to be some something done, some amendments done at the end, to make sure that this money gets paid back. But right now, they're just kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen before this, knowing that they're not going to have this facility fee for the full season. And, and as I said, no auxiliary income either. No concerts because nobody is really traveling. Right, and there's no there's no sort of big acts traveling right now that can fill a stadium like Garth Brooks did 
Geez, that seems like a million years ago when Garth Brooks yeah, played. Exactly. <laughs> of course, I wasn't here. I think those were um, the black and white days, weren't they? Yeah, just it, so it, it seems like another that's, lifetime ago. Like that's even that's you know it's funny you mentioned you know, I was looking back like I have to keep shaking my head that like, November seventeenth, two thousand nineteen was the last game we saw at the we saw at Mosaic Stadium, and you, know, you look back on that game, everyone kind of you know, we kind of remember the doink. And how would the impact that had on there? But who would have believed that back then that would be the last play we see? And that's some of the things that people said. They never predicted – you can never predict a pandemic and its impact on that stuff. But looking back on 2019, it just seems to be we've kind of forgotten about it a little bit or it's kind of hard. Like, you're, you're good at that. But, man, it's just – the world has just been a blur since then, Rob. It's like, oh, look who's here. <laughs> oh, geez, geez. She had to make the cameo, didn't she? Oh, um, oh, she's doggone cute. Yeah, she's so sure. This is Candy, by the way, in case anybody's wondering. Um, Candy's a Broncos fan, I understand. Oh, she's uh, she will be indoctrinated or indoctrinated pretty soon, at least come come September. The uh, one thing I'm wondering too, Mur, is like what will be the inclination of, of fans and sponsors to kind of jump back on board, or what? I know that people have left their money with the team in the case of season ticket holders, but. Um, there's a lot of people who have felt the economic consequences of COVID. We all have. Um, and that's not just individuals, that's businesses. Those are intertwined in many cases. Uh, so, and, and there was such a corporate uh, base that the Rough Riders were able to tap. Is that being uh, facing challenges or is that, is, are there challenges in that regard uh, due to the fact that the pandemic has had such a, taken such a, had such an impact on businesses? Is it realistic to think, even if the government were to say, open the doors, 33,356 people allowed in Mosaic Stadium, considering the economic uh, toll wrought by COVID, are people going to have the resources to, to pack the stadium or even come close to doing so, uh, considering everything that's happened? Might there be a wariness uh, due to the fact that we've had social distancing drilled into our heads mm-hmm. since March of, of 2020. How do you read that environment, that perhaps that inclination of fans and and or uh, businesses to jump back on board just like they were before? Uh, one of the things I found, if you asked that question six months ago, I think we would have said they're not comfortable with this idea of coming back to a stadium because I think the world was different than vaccines weren't as prevalent. And that we didn't have as much, didn't seem as much control of the pandemic. The people I've talked to, most of them feel kind of comfortable going back, not as comfortable as they can. You know, the, the double dose of vaccine means we won't have to wear masks and those kind of things. So they're kind of feeling that way. Sponsors have stood by the riders. And, you know, we mentioned Sastel is one of them I talked to. And they, they said there's no way they're giving up on the riders. They, they've been through the riders through thick and thin, and they're going to support them. So I think the sponsors are, the ones are going to be hurting, and it'll be interesting to see are the vendors if they come back to Mosaic Stadium because they're the small businesses that have been impacted a lot by this. And Tim Reed talks a little bit about that from Real. He's the uh, chair of uh, president of Real. And he talked about the, how these, these small businesses have done everything they can to keep their businesses going so they can come back and then show up on Mosaic Stadium because it's such an important part of the, the experience of Mosaic Stadium is getting a beer and a hot dog and everything else that's available. So I think are they all going to come rowing back? I don't think so. I think it's going to be a graduated thing. I think it's going to take time before people get all set up and get, you know gets back. Are we ever going to be back to normal, Rob? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what normal is anymore. We, we never thought it'd last this long, did we? No. I mean, uh, who knows what normal is going to be now? Will they be packed in the concourses? You know, you look in the concourses. Will they be packed along there? 
a question is kind of has to be answered. Do you want somebody handling your food? How are you going to get a burger or or some or whatever all the stuff that's available? Do you want people handling your food at a stadium like that? And how do they how do they deal with that? So it's also going to be maybe the and I think we have to say we're so used to being cashless now. Like I don't know when the last time I spent actual money that now they maybe mosaic saying they're going to have to set up a world where it's everything's on a credit card. You know, and how some of these older maybe people you order from an app or something. So yeah. you're not actually, <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of things that are being done south of the border just to minimize the interaction that people are having. Uh, who knows what that landscape might look like? Like, how do you go to the bathroom? You know, if it's time in the you know, record between quarters and the people are lining up to get into the bathrooms and stuff. I know we're all be vaccinated and it's full to help control thing, but it's still going to be some comfort level. So those are the things that a lot of the bottlenecks. I mean, even entering the stadium, oh, uh, I think once people are seated, you can, you can, you can place it a bit. And if there needs to be some separation, you can allocate tickets accordingly. But if, if it's a, if it's a, you know, seven o'clock game and there's a huge crush of people coming in at six thirty, as is normally the case, that funnel uh, becomes pretty congested. And, uh, like, would they have, okay, if you're in this section or if you're whatever, you've got to show up. At, you have to make an appointment to show up at the yeah. stadium at a certain time in order to get in so that there's not this crush of humanity uh, all all bunched together. I mean, you just don't – I'm not sure maybe the fact that things are going on in the States now and you see normalcy with crowds at NBA games, NHL games, baseball, at least they have a template to work from and yeah. with larger numbers than they'd be dealing with here. but. I'm sure there'll be some some curveballs that they'll have to adjust to on the fly. Well, people are going to have to adjust to you. You won't be showing up 15 minutes before kickoff anymore. You're going to have to be there earlier to get to your access to your seat. And there may be standing around after a game. You're not going to get 33,000 people all leaving at the same time. It may be graduated saying, okay, you guys go and go and all that stuff. And, you know, <laughs> just a strange – how about parking? Do people carpool anymore? You know, can you put yourself and your two friends and have a van full of people now, even though you've all been vaccinated, can you still do those kind of things? That's going to be another, you know, how they do the deal stuff. And we have to remember the return to play program protocols have been cleared for the riders football operations. It hasn't been cleared and for the reopening of Mosaic Stadium yet. And they're still working through that. And it's it's at a feverish pace. Like they want to, when they say this is ready to go, they want to be ready to go. So, Mosaic Stadium, the reopening of Mosaic Stadium and the football operations are two separate. They're connected, but they're, two, they're being treated as two separate things right now. So maybe if this, you know, when camp opens, you know, the, the words are July 2nd as they report to camp. The riders report to camp across the CFL. July 10th, training camp opens. And August 5th, we have a season. And I'm, I guess because the vaccinations have really made me feel more optimistic. And I think I've said that. I, I, and I'm like everybody else. I feel optimistic, and then I don't feel optimistic. Then I go, oh, no, it's not going to happen. But I think we're seeing what's happening across the country, other than with Manitoba and, and some of these places. There there are options to reopen. How they will look, that would be an interesting thing to look, see what, hap- what, what actually happens in September when we've gone a month with this sort of world. One of the stories you've done is looking at 2019. And I know the Rough Riders downplay this, but there were signs – beforehand that there were going to be issues in terms of attendance, even before anybody had even thought of COVID, there was a decline. They were facing some challenges to get people into the stadium. And so 
Now you've got Scott Moe talking about you let's fill Mosaic Stadium or come close to filling Mosaic Stadium. They couldn't come close to doing that on the first Saturday in November of 2019 when if they win a game against Edmonton, they clinch first place. So if that type of game isn't an inducement and an incentive for people to pack the stadium with a charismatic quarterback, a new stadium, the potential of a first place team, an exciting team, a reasonable enough day, um, and your daughter getting married. <laughs> I have to admit, <laughs> I mean, it was a nice day for a wedding. Um, yes, it was. <laughs> so, and they were 4,000 shy of, of capacity. Mm. So, I, again, what is normal when, when, when the Rough Riders are, are back on the field? Can you just count on 33,000 people in the stadium anymore when the only game they sold out during the regular season in, in 2019 was the Labor Day Classic? And they sold that out when they have three win teams. Um, now they say that's that's just the way sports are trending, et cetera, et cetera. But in the course of one year with a team that was way more exciting to watch than the one that played the previous year, and I think one that was way more likable than it had been, you heard the rumbling, grumbling about Chris Jones, rightly or wrongly. I think that was a that was a factor in some people's minds. But then you go with then you've got Cody Fajardo, then you've got the likable head coach Craig Dickinson, et cetera, et cetera all that going for them and they only sold out one regular season game that to me is an alarm bell that perhaps should be ringing a lot more loudly than it is around the rough riders offices they, they seem to be rather dismissive or even accepting of it when i i think that was a that was a looming issue for them even before the pandemic changed everything well they still led the cfl in attendance of more, nearly thirty thousand people rob per game which is you know, if you're in Toronto, you'd kill for those type of numbers. I know we're not Toronto, and it's it's a different world. But I think, and I think it is. I think it is a trend, and I think we're gonna. I'm gonna see. I'm interested to see this trend when we come out of the pandemic, because I'm gonna have to admit, a lot of us have gone out and bought some pretty nice TVs during the pandemic, 65 inches in these smart TVs, and it's it's quite oh, the experience. Look at this thing. <laughs> Can you see it? Yeah. Isn't that it's a, the classic uh, department store 14-inch model from the early 90s? Anyway. Well, anyway, I, I could say I went and bought a 65-inch TV, and I'm thinking if I wasn't going to the Riders and sitting in the press box socially distanced, would I want to watch the game on my beautiful TV that has this incredible high definition? So it'll be seeing, interesting to see if people want to come back, leave the comfort of their homes to go watch a game at the stadium. I, I don't know if the Riders are, are dismissive, but I think – the people have to understand those thirty, those four thousand seats. That's gravy money for them. That's sorry about that. I can't. That's the gravy money. That's how they make their. That's how they make their profits and stuff. So that, I think. And how is that game against Edmonton not an automatic sellout? Yeah, first place. First place if you win. How often does that happen here or anywhere for this football team? A team that's only finished first uh, twice since nineteen seventy seven. In, in the entire lifetime of Gainer the Gopher, they've had two first-place finishes, 19, 19 uh, pardon me, uh, 2009 and, and last season. I mean, it was, that should have been an absolute happening, and uh, they, they, they can't sell it out? To me, yeah. that's a, that is really – that's obviously there are bigger, uh, bigger signs of distress uh, subsequent to that, but there, there were some cracks starting to emerge – and I'm not sure if they fully understand or really grasp um, the way that there were signs of slippage, and they just brushed them off. Yeah. 
Well, as I said, they had 30,000 people. And I think yeah. Brand new stadium. Where is everybody? Yeah. So anyway, that's my little tangent. That's a good little rant for that. Um, it, it has it has been an interesting world to it's been I have to admit since football hasn't been played we haven't been as immersed in the Rough Riders as you have been I've been doing other things and it was kind of nice to talk Rough Riders and every phone call was another fifteen or twenty minutes just to talk lives you know how our lives have been impacted by COVID and stuff and these these gentlemen and people I've talked to so it's it's been kind of it's been fun to actually talk football we haven't talked a whole lot about the team and I think people are just sort of you know they. You know, we've seen since the draft, and they have Cody Fedora. They, they should they should be another strong team, whatever kind of season they have in 2021. But there are warning signs. There's that attendance. There's whatever the pandemic impact has on the finances and those kind of things. And uh, hopefully through this series, we'll be able to attack some of them and uh, have an idea where the riders are going to be by the time we get out of this, riders and Mosaic Stadium. Randy Ambrosi has talked several times about how the business plan needed to be redone and not just because of COVID, but I mean, the, 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 uh, the teams were collectively losing between 10 and million, 10 and $20 million before this hit. What indications are you getting as far as what adaptation the, the rough riders might have to make to their business plan or had those adaptations already been made due to the fact that they've had to lay off 30% of their staff? I think they've been made. I think the business plan has been the, the individual teams' business plans have had to be adjusted. You know, reducing the sizing of co- size of coaching staffs, reducing the size of video people, athletic trainers and stuff. I think that part has been addressed. I don't know how about the CFL level if it's been really addressed. I mean, we haven't seen they've they've laid, they've laid off people and people have they've lost, lost a lot of bodies in the they've yeah. lost a lot of bodies. So it's been hard. I I just don't. What 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 kind of business plan are they going to have? I don't. Well, we'll see. We'll have to see what they come out of this one. It's going to be a leaner and cleaner CFL, I think. It's going to be less. You know, you remember at the West Final, we were almost we were almost more CFL.ca people covering the game than than regular reporters. So the CFL. I think that's set a world record for photographers that didn't belong to traditional media outlets. Yeah. Well, even now, like you know, what's going to happen to the media going forward covering the CFL? Like, you know, will we still travel? I. You know, that's going to be an interesting. I watched what the NFL, NHL has done, and a lot of the return to CFL pro, protocols are based on the NHL programs. And do teams, is it worthwhile traveling now? Everything's by Zoom. We're not going to be getting any any more access to players like we did in the old days. We're not going in the locker rooms, I'm pretty sure. So that'll be a big change. So it'll be, a, it'll be how the game is presented will be a whole other world. Once we get around, especially in print media, where we, we, we've always kind of counted on having that kind of player access. So COVID is going to impact the leader post and our coverage of, of how we're going to, we're still going to do it, obviously, because it's still the number one team in the province. But it's going to be, we, we will deal with some impacts of COVID, I think, too, Rob, don't you, don't you think? I would think so. But, you know, nobody really cares about how the sausage is made in our case. Yeah. They just want to eat the hot dog or I suppose the corn dog, given the, the, the yeah. way that's become fashionable. The undercurrent to all this is the mystery surrounding the XFL. Oh, yeah. um, how much does that factor into the overall discussions about the viability of the Rough Riders, uh, the the possible revenues that, that may ensue there? I know there's been talk about the uh, the whole gambling market and how that might give them some revenues. That's the one I uh, on those what they they're accustomed to receiving. So between that and the XFL, is there sort of a unknown or maybe an untapped resource there financially that might be a, 
of immense benefit to them once things get rolling again? I, the, the single game betting is going to be huge for the CFL and NHL teams. I think people have to realize that that it's before the Senate now, and if it gets passed, it could, you know, it's still got some steps to go through. But I'm saying it's doing quite well. That is going to provide the leads. Some teams, and I've been told between one and a half, one point two and one and a half million dollars in revenue from single game betting, which is not a lot of money, but it means more people be engaged in the game. There'll be more eyeballs watching the game because now they have on TV because now they have this opportunity to bet on it. I think it, it, it may be the savior for the CFL more than anything else. The XFL, I get the sense it's still down the road a little bit, even though there's, you know, the latest news is there's a, a non-disclosure agreement. They can talk about what's going on between the two of them. So I, I think single game betting is going to be the big thing. Like I'm not a gambler. I don't know. You aren't, you don't gamble either, Rob, do you? I don't think. No. I don't, so it's, I'm kind of I'm not. It's not one of my things. I've never played Sports Select, which is probably I've, good for my bank account. I've done it once or twice. I just found it so hard to do all the other all the parlays and stuff, and I just thought it was, it was too much. But the single game, if you can go out there, you can bet on you know the Riders winning. You can bet on Cody Fajardo possibly throwing for 150 yards in the second half. You're going to watch the game and stay engaged because you have money riding on. So it is going to be huge. I think it's it may be the thing that gets the CFL through this that maybe some of the uh, financial challenges down the road that may help them more and more they can do with this kind of stuff. So I guess it's watch. We hope the Senate does the thing, but there's a possibility because we all know, well, I've learned about this. So the Senate doesn't always pass these things regardless of how they look, how, how much sense they make. There's always some sort of, there may be some sort of issue going on with that. So hopefully it gets passed. Hopefully it's one of those things that well, all of a sudden we're, there's more people interested in that than, Another part of it, maybe they could get more fantasy football going too. It's all about fan engagement, and you have to find ways, of, more ways of engaging fans than just coming to the stadium. And maybe that's kind of the business model of the CFL and the Riders going forward. Who thought we'd ever be talking about the Senate as part of a <laughs> podcast? I'm, I'm not really up on my Senate governance, I have to say. Actually, the only person I really knew in the Senate was Larry Smith. I think he's still in there, the former CFL commissioner. And yeah, my uh, yeah. Senate term is coming to an end. It's came to, but I remember when the riders uh, held practices on Parliament Field, on, in the, the field in front of them, how many senators came out, Larry, the ones I knew, Larry Smith and his Denise Batters, I think, I think she's a senator too, to watch him play, the, the practice on there. And I thought that was kind of neat. So there's a show of that stuff. So the Senate knows the CFL is there. I hope they know how important this Bill C-218 is to the future of the CFL and somehow – Quite possibly, it could be by the end of the month. It becomes law. Now, how do they implement it? That's a whole other story that gets there. But you know, they need it. They got to. They got. They have to get it done because no matter what happens, I mean, has another one. That what happens if the minority minority government falls and there's an election in the in the fall? That means this bill goes right back to where it was two years ago, and it's still going to be two more years before it's, it gets through. It would get through the same position it is now. So there is some urgency to Bill C passing a Bill C-218 if there is an election. But we, I don't know that. I'm not saying I know if the Trudeau's government's going to fall, if they wouldn't want to try to try an election during a pandemic. But it's one of the things the league is very, very aware of. When you look across the league, I mean, the Rough Riders still need somebody to play. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Um, I mean, as, as terrible as the situation is that they're currently facing financially, uh I think it's safe to assume that whatever in whatever form there is Canadian professional football and perhaps allied allied with an American league, 
the Riders will be there. The Bombers, Edmonton, Calgary, they'll be there. Hamilton will be there. Uh, there's a nice following in Ottawa. Does anybody care, in, or at least in sufficient numbers, in Montreal, Toronto, BC? That's part of the uh, the baggage that uh, that they're carrying. Um, it's one thing to revive the Riders, which has been the focus of your series and our discussion today, but uh, you need to revive eight other member franchises at, at the same time, and, and everybody is feeling the impact of this. How do, what's your feeling as far as just the overall CFL landscape? I, back. I like to remind people that the riders do not live in a bubble. We can have everything work perfectly. We can, let's say, on August 4th, Scott Moore said, we have 33,000 people. <laughs> Sorry, Rob, you distracted me. Sorry. We can have 33,000 people in the stands. Everything will be go ahead. We're all eating. We're all drinking. But there may not be another team on the field because their their protocols haven't been approved or they've had issues with training camp and stuff. So the riders need this. They have to go in lockstep with the CFL. It's not a bubble world. And I know the bubble world, I'm not, I'm not using it in the sense of having games here, but just in their own special world. So they need the whole league to be going all, and they have, they can't, they don't really control that. That's one of the things I got a sense too of this series is a lot of the things are out of the team's control. There's some teams of public health who are deciding what's going to happen. It's, so when those things have to be cleared, so, they, they need everything to come together, and only if that happens if everyone can come together and all these things. But you and I both, we look at the numbers every day. You know, Manitoba's having having issues now. They're back to where we were about three or four weeks ago or a month ago. And, you know, so we have to watch that stuff. So there's there's a lot of other bigger issues that keep coming here. But regardless, I'm with you. that Somehow the riders will survive. They'll come out. The people, fans will let their money in there, sponsors supporting them. The riders will survive, but <laughs> uh, who, who knows what who knows what the rest of the league will look like, Rob? What a what a screen hog, aren't you? Anything to add, Candy? What do you think of this, Murray? Anything to add? I think you exhausted about all my stuff and even took things I I hadn't even thought about, Rob. You grilled me good, You're well. You did but it's very nice to finally see Candy. What's that? What's that she got on her neck? She got a Broncos. Actually, we we put the, we put her original collar on there because she's more comfortable. And I bought her Denver Bronco collar for her, and it was either too loose or too tight where they had the little little holes in it. So we went back to the original Regina Humane Society collar. She's a foster dog, and if you can help these wonderful creatures and the amazing people of the Humane Society, please do so. Uh, she was supposed to be with us for two weeks, and uh, it's five weeks now, and we want to have her for the rest of uh, our existence because she's wonderful. And we want you to be around for a similarly similarly productive duration. You wrote an awesome column about her for the uh, Regina Humane Society, touting the benefits of having rescue dogs. Two of my daughters have rescue dogs, and uh, they absolutely love them. I can tell you, my my granddaughter, eight years old, she has a, I think Dolly's, a little over a year or no, under a year, and it's been an absolute godsend for this kid, this only child to have a pet like uh, Dolly. So I I see the benefits every day, or not every day, but. I see the benefits of having a dog. I'm not going to. I still got two cats who can fan on my attention. But one day, maybe we'll see what happens. Well, we've turned this from a podcast into a P-A-W-E-D cast. So um, hopefully hopefully we've we've appeased the the pet lovers out there uh, in these final stages. Mur, thanks so much for your time today and for for delving into this series that I uh, so mercilessly imposed upon you. And... uh, and uh, I've enjoyed this collaboration and this chat with you today. And uh, 
Uh, what can you tell us about uh, how this is going to roll out in the in the in the days ahead? Well, we kind of start out. I'll just give you a quick overview. We're going to start out with uh, where we are, how we got here. You know, a little look back on uh, the riders and that kind of thing, and then we go into the. Uh, a look back on 2019 and your attendance issues. Uh, we break down fans and sponsors and their incredible support. As then there's a. We delve into the single sports betting, which is really important. And uh, we, we go head over to Mosaic Stadium because I think the riders, and so we also talk about the rider finances and where they're going to be hopefully after that. The rider finances are a challenge because their AGM is not to the end of the month where the figures are going to be out. We're going to see how much they actually lost. But BC, or sorry, Winnipeg and Edmonton each lost about $7 million, and I would think that would be just about the number that the Rough Riders are going to announce how much they lost based on that. And then we look at Mosaic Stadium. we we'll look back at the uh, grand grand old place and a grand new place and uh, the finances are going to be part of that. So it's all, it'll all be there starting on Tuesday in the print edition and uh, hopefully it all works out because I'm still writing it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you to everyone for your time today. Thank you for indulging me with my uh, monologue about, uh, about the dog and uh, look forward to uh, the next time we do this, it'll probably be a, uh, some kind of definitive announcement as far as what the CFL is planning to do. I know there's some, by June, they're going to have to have some indication of whether they can go ahead firmly with the August 5th kickoff. So as soon as uh, there's some confirmation as far as the next steps for the CFL, we'll certainly do this again and I'll, uh, I'll summon the dog. So for, uh, for Murdog, Murray McCormick, I'm Rob Banstall. Thank you so much for your time today and uh, stay safe, stay healthy and uh, take care. Bye.